another edition of the Witten Whiskey Cast. My name is Marker City Jr. Here, as always, with the host with the most, DJ Gagnon. hey And, you know, uh, I think after, what, God, what is it now, 27 pieces of recorded content, something like 22 episodes, and we got a couple trailers and a couple specials, I think you know us pretty well now, dear listeners, and I think you know that we want to be the very best, like no one ever was. To get all the whiskeys is our real test, and to drink them is our cause. <laughs> no? No reaction from it's that? So oh, I, 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 was, I, I just assumed you had converted the entire theme song, and I was waiting for it. I started to write more, and then no. You've set a high bar, Mike. I do fully expect you to do the Pokemon rap full, full of whiskey names by the end of this. Ooh, well, I mean, I have the Weird Al uh, Pokemon rap where he does it all in accordion. I have that somewhere. I'll have to find the file. It's pretty good. Uh, but no, for you know, for the three people that are still listening, we are going to cover <laughs> Pokemon. Uh, the uh, best be- topic in the whole world. Because two days ago, as we record this, was the 25th anniversary of the original release, of course, not here in America, but uh, where it began over uh, in Japan, of course, where pretty much all good video games start. It's true. With a few exceptions. So we're going to cover that. It is no doubt going to be a two-parter. We're going to try to limit it to two parts. No promises. And, you know, uh, I had said to DJ before we went on air that we really should better plan out who intros what episodes. I mean, we usually just flip-flop back and forth, but, you know, we really should have planned these out a little bit better. But then now that I'm sitting here doing it, this might be good because this might be the only time you hear my voice this episode. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) So this might uh, work for the best. But that is for a little bit later on. Um, What Aside from insane, insane, insane amounts of research, what have you been doing this week? Uh, it's been a pretty good week, Mark. I um, Last week, I interviewed for a new position at work, and, and uh, the interviews went, went pretty well, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I was a little bit nervous. I, I'm one of those people who tells myself at the beginning of, like, you know, trying to go for a new job or trying to go, you know, putting in for a house or whatever the big big thing in your life is, I tend to be the one who says that they're going to... Uh, try not to get their hopes up, and then immediately gets them up. Uh, it's it's just the worst. Uh, so I spent the uh, a large part of the weekend just trying to distract myself from um, thinking and overanalyzing and 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 you know it, standard interview anxiety, right? Um, but I also uh, I got to do some stuff uh, through work last week with uh, the there's this like diversity and inclusion group at Liberty, uh, called pride, uh, pride at Liberty. And they, at at the beginning of the year, they kind of put out a note, like, you know, the put up the gay bat signal and said, Hey, we're looking for content creators. We're Mm -hmm. looking for people to like share their stories and and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I just came out as non-binary. Why not? I I'll throw my hat in the ring. And so I am actually the, uh, featured on the second episode of an internal uh, Pride podcast. Um, it, the Empire Grows. The Empire Grows, day. yeah. Uh, it's not available anywhere outside of my company uh, as of right now, but um, if it ever makes it out into the public, I'll uh, 
I'll do a shameless plug here, but it, it was uh, the episode uh, is called the ABCs of NB, and I thought it was pretty funny. Now you know I have to ask, as the W and W's resident cis straight white male, you you mentioned the gay bat signal. Is that a lot like the real gay agenda that <laughs> yeah. I hear so much about on TV? Yeah, neither of them are actually real. Um, oh darn! They both sound like so much fun, though. I feel like if there was a gay bat signal, it would probably be like I don't know something from Queer Eye or RuPaul RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay, well, fair enough. How about you, buddy? How was your week? Well, I also had a, a very, very good week. Interestingly enough, I also uh, recorded and edited and released another podcast, also <laughs> for work. Uh, we have dubbed it Fireside History, where we're going to do an episode a month, good Lord willing, um, on just some lesser known topics. It's not quite as ambitious as the W&W here. We're only shooting for 35 to 45 minutes of a more conversational variety. But that that first episode is up on the uh, Historical Society's webpage, and it, I don't need to plug it. If, if you're that interested in it, message us, and I'll get you the link. It's it's fine. But otherwise, you know, we... Uh, I Just today, uh, not very much longer before we ran into the studio here, I went down to uh, my good friend and engine builder, Andy Jensen, and picked up a whole mess of parts for the Roadster. I pretty much have an entire top half of an engine sitting uh, in my foyer now, which is just wonderful. I'm very excited. Is this for, uh, for like, replacing it with all the period parts? Period parts, but they've also been massaged. <laughs> I, I'm building this. I'm very excited because this engine that I'm putting together piece by piece is the first combination that I have sort of drawn up myself entirely. You know, all the other cars, race cars, old cars, show cars we've had, I've sort of bounced some ideas off the old man, and he's sort of taken them and run with them and done X, Y, and Z. And I mean, if we're being honest, when I was younger, a lot of them he funded. So, you know, hey, if I'm paying for it, this is what you're going to get. Nice. Uh, but this one, basically, every nut and bolt and scrap on there so far has been something that I have picked out. So we're either going to be a hero or a zero once <laughs> it all goes together. Uh, I got the specifications on the camshaft today when I went and picked it up. And if we're being honest, it's a hell of a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. That's what she said. Um, thank you. <laughs> but we're going to see. It might work. It might not. Uh, and I also have a, a new new car. Well, new for me car, actually. Oh. Uh, be, well, my, my mother is after my father, you know, because... Obviously, my wife and I don't live with my parents, but, you know, between everything, we're, you know, five minutes away or whatever. And between the four of us, we have seven cars, a Honda three-wheeler, an enclosed trailer, and a camper. Yeah. And we all use the same insurance man. You know, we pay for our stuff, they pay for their stuff. We all use the same insurance man who's just basically making a living off of us. And my mother gave the old man the ultimatum that he needs to get rid of one of his cars. Yeah. So he had came to me and said, look, your car is a 93, my car is an 05, I'll trade you and then sell your car. Wow. So uh, we went and picked it up. So I now have a, a 05 Chevy Cobalt, and you'll love this, DJ. It is bright fucking purple. That's so good. It is the purple people eater. Um, but hey, you know, it's uh, an 05 with 50,000 miles on it, so I'm not complaining. So I, I got that this weekend, too, and I'm... Just making it a little bit more me. 
Nice. <laughs> but yeah, that's, you know, that's the name of the game. Uh, you know, what I, I think when it comes to our review section, I think we're back a little bit more, uh, you know, on schedule here. What, what are you drinking this week? Yeah, we're definitely in more comfortable territory. So um, I uh, went and I've been playing with cocktails this past week. So I, uh, I, I wanted to riff on the old fashioned a little bit. Um, one of my, one of my favorite cocktails is the whiskey smash. It's like a, a whiskey version of the mojito. And, uh, I, the recipe I have for a whiskey smash is when you, when you're done, like, um, muddling and shaking and all the sorts of good stuff, you just pour the whole shaker into your whiskey glass. So you get the mint and the, the lemon, uh, the, yeah, mint and lemon and, and the whiskey. It's just all, and it, it kind of looks it looks a bit rustic in the glass and I wanted to play with that a little bit with an old fashioned. So I kind of combined the old fashioned and a whiskey smash, uh, into what I'm currently calling the muddled fashion. Um, uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. So, uh, you toss, uh, so you take, instead of just taking the peel, you take a full, like nice wedge of orange, throw it in with a sugar cube and muddle them together toss in a couple of dashes of uh, Ango bitters or whatever your aromatic bitters of choice is. Uh, I then uh, come over the top with uh, two and a half ounces of bourbon. Um, I'm currently drinking it with rye because I wanted to try it with rye, but this is definitely a bourbon drink. Um, And then uh, a quarter ounce of... Uh, I'm using Luxardo, but any sort of like cherry or or maraschino liqueur would go well here. And then you shake it, uh, and then you can either you can do it like the the rustic way, which is you just pour everything into your your rocks glass, or you can strain it out over some uh, whiskey stones, which I did tonight. And you kind of get this like cloudy old-fashioned mixture you know it's not stirred it's got some extra you know stuff in there you've got some some pulp from the orange uh and then i topped it with a brandied cherry so uh, it's pretty good um i definitely i've been ratcheting back the sugar a little bit this week on it and uh i've been i've tried um i tried some johnny walker i tried uh uh tonight i'm drinking it with templeton rye um it, this is definitely a bourbon drink. It, you know, a Knob Creek or a, a bourbon, uh, a bullet bourbon here would go nicely here. So uh, it's a pretty good cocktail. It's, I mean, it's basically an old fashioned, but it's got a little bit more orange juice and uh, the, the cherry liqueur kind of gives it a nice back note. I might up the cherry liqueur for the next time I make this. Oh, that's a good call. I mean, it's always a moving target with a cocktail recipe. It is. But yeah, I found out with the Monte Carlo. Yeah. A little bit less Benedictine. Yeah. Uh, but once I land on the recipe, I'll throw it up on the blog so you, uh, you can make it at home. Yes, uh, and that will be wonderful there. What, what are you drinking, buddy? Well, uh, I too have resumed normal service, and I'm just back to a uh, classic whiskey in a glass. And it's kind of funny because I am very hot on this one. Uh, lately, when I've been going to the liquor store... Uh, you know, I, I've been seeing what they have uh, that I don't uh, have a lot of familiarity with in the bourbon section, the whiskey sections. And as long as the price tag isn't too eye-watering, I'll buy a bottle and then I'll go and buy a bottle of whatever, you know, I went in for that particular day. Uh, 
So a few weeks back, I had gone into the liquor store to purchase uh, a bottle of uh, Knob Creek, you know, which is one of the things I try to keep in the house. Oh, yeah. And uh, a few, a little bit down in the aisle, there was this uh, Burnham or Bernheim. I don't know how you say it. I guess it's Bernheim. Original Kentucky Straight Wheat Whiskey. And it had a seven-year age statement on the bottle, and, you know, it had this small batch and all the proper hipster accoutrement. And I had not heard of it before, and uh, it was $30 a bottle, so I said, all right, I'll pick this up, too. And then it sat on my bar until last Wednesday. And I finally decided to crack it open, and I poured myself a glass a little bit early, even though I knew I was going to be reviewing it for this podcast. I, I finally came and I said, this has been sitting there for two weeks now, which is... <laughs> insane in my house no bottle since <laughs> for two weeks uh so uh, i cracked it open and i gotta say i'm in love yeah <laughs> i this may be uh in the regular rotation so let me give you some of the facts here now it's by the heaven hill distillery they're the ones who produce it and they claim i'm not saying this i don't know if it's true or not they claim that it is the first whiskey of its kind to use winter wheat as the majority grain. Interesting. It's 51% uh, winter wheat, 49% corn, and uh, malted barley. Those are the two two, uh, percentages. And it checks all the right uh, notes. It's, you know, 90 proof, which to me is about pretty much the minimum 90, 92 proof is what you want for a good solid sipping whiskey. You don't want anything really more because then you're really starting to play with, "Eh, I can only have a glass of this, and you don't really want anything less because then you don't taste it. Uh, They allegedly, according to their propaganda, I mean promotion, (laughs) release it only 100 barrels at a time. So supposedly every seven years once they're aged, they only release 100 barrels at a time. I think it's all marketing speak, but much like the Benedictine, it's a cool story. Yeah, and I mean, you don't know how big those barrels are. Also true. Also true. Uh, and it's it's got a great color. It has that classic sort of light brownie gold. You could still see through it, but, you know, it doesn't look watered down. Um, and it's very smooth. It starts off very, very mild. It's almost buttery. And then it gets a little warmer, it gets a little warmer, it gets a little warmer. And on the scale of burn, I would say it's a five or a six, but it lingers. Very nice. And then it just smooths out to almost a light nutmeggy vanilla finish. So it's a little bit lighter than what I normally drink, but I'm, I'm in love. <laughs> I'm just absolutely in love. That sounds amazing, dude. I'm going to have to check this out. Definitely. I cannot, out of everything that we have drank in the last 27, 26 episodes, whatever it is, this probably, probably has been my favorite, dare I say it, or at least top two, top three. That's amazing. So go by now. (laughs) All right, so... I, I can't stall DJ much longer here. We're, what, you know, 15 minutes into this episode already. And we are coming up on uh, the topic at hand, which, as we mentioned, is Pokemon. <laughs> now, normally when we pick one of these topics, 
I'm the one who just beats you about the head and shoulders with a history book, and I have facts and dates and, you know, who said what on what Tuesday. I don't have any of that this time. Yeah, no, <laughs> That's going to be all DJ. Yeah, because I got a page and a half. Yeah, he's got a page and a half. He's been going for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, and because basically we have wanted to do this episode pretty much since we started the Witten Whiskey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't really feel comfortable doing it in season one. And then we realized that the silver anniversary is here for season two. So there ain't no time like the present. There isn't. So before I just turn it over to DJ and take a step back from the microphone and enjoy the rest of this Bernheim that I've poured, I'm going to give you basically my memories of Pokemon. And it comes down to three things. I remember when it came out. And I did not have red and blue because I was never a big, and still not, a big handheld gamer. And I was in, the first time I ever saw it, I was in Sunday school. Which, yeah, okay, ha, 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 everybody laugh at the good little Catholic boy. <laughs> I was in Sunday school, and a friend of mine at the time named Danny, which, shout out Danny if you're listening, I don't know why the fuck you would be, but hey, shout out to you. <laughs> came running up to me with his Game Boy in hand and said, we have to trade Pokemon. And I thought he was having a stroke. (laughs) I didn't know what he was talking about, and he explained the game to me, and he explained the concept of it to me. And I said, well, I don't have a Game Boy, and I don't have the game, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, you have to to go get one, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, why? He said, because we have to trade. And he proceeded to explain to me that not all the Pokemon were on the one game. Yep, correct. <laughs> you had to get red or and blue, or you had to get one or the other and then trade. And I want to say I was in fifth grade at the time. I don't what, what was it, 1996? So, yeah, fourth grade, fifth grade. And I just remember thinking, even back then, and I'm sorry, I still think it now, that's stupid. It's brilliant marketing. You're going to buy two games. But why in the hell would anybody want to buy that why would you want to do that to yourself you're not getting the whole game of course now 25 years later i don't think any video game company has released a completed game since yeah it's all dlc and patches and add-ons so what did i know i mean come Uh, on we all thought pokemon was gonna be a fad right well yes and no i mean i i don't think i bought into that as hard as everyone else because i you know have there really ever been any fad video games? I mean, um, I can't... And I, we're going to get into that Pokemon's not just a video game. I understand that. I mean, But just at the I, time... I feel like Viva Pinata was a fad for a while. I don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. Um, you know, but other than that, were there really other, any other game fads? I mean, GoldenEye was really hot, but that wasn't a fad. That was just so far ahead of everything else that had been released on console. And that's a key word, on console. But on console up until that point, you know, but eh, regardless. I mean, I, I feel like Sims probably a fad. Oh, yeah. The, no, the first <laughs> Sims. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're right about that. Oh, God. Oh, the comic sands. It hurts my eyes still mm-hmm. to this day. Well, regardless, so he had it. Um, and then not too long after that, well, not at least doesn't in my memory, it doesn't seem like 
too long after that. It probably was quite a bit of time in real time, and I'm sure you're going to have all the proper dates. Mm-hmm. But not too long after that, I came across the anime. I was going uh, to my grandmother's house after regular school at the time, and the Kids WB block was on after school, and there was Hysteria, and I think Animaniacs was still on, and they would run Pokemon. It was all the syndicated big cartoons of the time yep. were in various order. And I actually kind of enjoyed the anime. Uh, it had a, you know, okay story for what it was, the overall arch. You, you had some fun characters, and I mean... As someone that from uh, the age of a very small boy always rooted for the villain, Team Rocket were just cool. And I yeah. mean, I, 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 I can do an entire episode on, on James. Yeah. So, I mean, they were just cool. Uh, so, you know, I got into the anime and then I it either came out or I found out about Pokemon Yellow. Yes. Okay, you can get everything on one cartridge, and it's much more based on the anime than it is on the game. Still one of my favorite games in the series. That was the first one that I played. Uh, I had a Game Boy Advance at the time, so I was stuffing the the oversized cartridge into the top of the Game Boy Advance and and was playing that. And that was enjoyable. And then we went... Speaking of uh, fads, uh, my friends at the time... We all went through an insane collectible card game fad. Oh, yeah. We started with the Star Wars card game, which uh, if anybody has figured out the rules for the Decipher, the original Decipher CCG uh, before Wizards took over, write me. Because I was playing it when it was brand new. We, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Nobody did. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, so, you know, we had the Star Wars CCG. We had magic, of course. Everyone dabbled with magic. There was a Tomb Raider CCG, there was 7C, there was Lord of the Five Rings, there was Deadlands Doomtown, there was an Austin Powers CCG for a while we played around with. Basically, any card game that came along, we tried. And then there was the Pokemon CCG, which was okay, um, but that was more my experience. I was more the anime, and I was more the card game. Yeah. And... You know, then it was like, okay, then the first wave of sequels came out, only they weren't sequels, they were generations. Mm -hmm. And then there was all the weird side games. There was Pokemon Snap, there was Pokemon Stadium, you know, there was Pokemon in Smash Brothers, there was a Pokemon style Hero Clicks game for a while. I don't think it was called that, but you know what I mean with the little minifigures. And. I just kind of got burned out with it. <laughs> it was just too much Pokemon. <laughs> uh, you know, and at the time, it was fun to spoof. I mean, I think the most famous, I think the one everyone knows, was the South Park episode with Chin Pokemon, uh, which still kind of holds up today. If you haven't seen it, uh, hunt it up online. It was season two or season three. It was very early South Park, back when the show was still good. Uh, and it's just, if you know anything about the games, they nailed it. I mean, they nailed the spoof 100%, and it was very funny. But there was, there was this very real concern from parents that, you know, oh, our children are being taken over by this foreign, nobody knew what it was, you know, is it mind control, is it this, is it that, you know, and then you, and everybody up in arms, the, 
the church is ripping arms because, you know, it, it, there were pocket monsters and they were satanic. And PETA was up in arms for a while because you captured these animals and kept them trapped inside little balls and, you know, made them fight each other. And it was just so funny. You know, at that point I was in junior high and I'm like, have y'all played the games? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're pretty tame. <laughs> So I just kind of phased out of it. I popped back in and out. I had, was there an emerald? I think I had emerald. Yeah, there's an emerald. That was one of them. Oh, you'll hear, you'll hear every (laughs) single Pokemon title of the main game series today. Oh, God, help me. And then the last one I had was black. The original black, because apparently there's black too. I didn't have black too. There is. You got pretty far. I'm I'm impressed. uh, And, you know, and again, they're fun for what they are, but at the risk of enraging DJ, and this is my my hot take, aside from that there's way too many Pokemon. It's fine. I, I, I might edit you out later. It's fine. All right. Well, my hot take is just the games haven't changed. They're the same. <laughs> and, I mean, that's fun. Don't get me wrong. I love repetitive games. I mean, I am the number one fan of Payday 2, which yeah. is no more repetitive game than Payday 2. <laughs> it's so true. But do you need two and sometimes three games every two to three years that are the same? I mean, it's kind of like a more popular, more kiddie Nintendo Call of Duty to me. Well, to answer your question and to properly segue into this, the answer is yes, you do need as many Pokemon games as possible. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to take this over from Mark before he turns into a Gen 1-er and I just shut him off. Uh, So... Ladies and gentlemen, Pokemon is the greatest video game series ever made. Uh, and I am going to convince you that over the next half hour. Send all your hate mail care of DJ at the Wit and Whiskey cast at gmail.com. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. So first of all, my credentials. I have been uh, playing Pokemon since the original release in 1998 of Pokemon Red and Blue in the United States. Uh, Half of my left leg is a tattoo sleeve uh, completely devoted to my favorite uh, Pokemon and all of her evolutions. And uh, I have played every game in the mainline series. I have not beaten every single one of them. I am currently working my way through uh, Crystal on my 3DS. So I haven't beaten Crystal. But other than Crystal... You, you, should never, you should never beat Crystal. Just because she's from the trailer park doesn't mean you get to hit her. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> here all week, folks. So, Pokemon, uh, and, and I, it's the same name in Japan, Pokemon. Uh, it is, is a... Plus, weren't they, oh, well, back up. What? I was under the impression that they were released as pocket monsters, red and blue, originally. Oh, they were. I'm getting to that. So Pokemon (laughs) is short for Pocket Monsters, which was the sentence I was going to say. Um, And that was how it was originally released, but very quickly, both in America and Japan, uh, it got shortened to Pokemon. And it it kind of... um, It was part of this huge fad in the mid-90s of these shows of like partnering up animals with kids or monsters with kids or digital entities with kids or having kids fight alongside monsters on a ranch. Like there was all of these, you know, Monster Rancher, Digimon, Pokemon, all of these different kinds of shows back then that got really, really popular. 
Pokemon's Christ, the... If, if you hear that in the background, that is just like the Kansas tornado from the Wizard of Oz has descended upon uh, my home here. So I apologize for any wind noise in the background. Holy yeah, fuck. We've got Edit all that out. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Pokemon, I, I feel like the only surviving ones today are Pokemon and Digimon. And Digimon never quite made it as popular as Pokemon, but Digimon is respectable, has its own fandom. I am also part of that fandom. I could also talk about Digimon, but that's not the episode we're doing today. Uh, so Pocket Monsters is, uh, it began as a joint venture between the development company Game Freak and Nintendo as its publisher. Uh, it spans... Video games, and and when we talk video games, I mean, there's the mainline series of RPGs, but there's Pokemon Rangers, there's Mystery Dungeon, there's Snap, there's, um, there was a game on the N64 called Hey You Pikachu, there's Coliseum and Stadium, uh, Pokemon have appeared in, uh, every iteration of Smash Brothers, uh, there are calls in the community to bring, uh, Pikachu into, um, Mario Kart, um, I mean, they're just everywhere. Uh, it, Pokemon has become one of the big, uh, like, standing monoliths of Nintendo, right? You know, you've got your your Zeldas, your Marios, your Donkey Kongs, your your um, Metroid, and you've got, you know, Pokemon. And there's others in there, too. I'm not naming them all. Uh, but it also spans... Uh, F-Zero! Uh, it's, when was the last one that was made? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, hey, so. <laughs> hey, 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 that's, whoa. Morimoto, if you're listening, new F-Zero, you fucker. Uh, now. So the the anime has been around for almost as long as the games have been around. Uh, it, it's Pokemon spans manga series. I have many opinions about the various manga series. Pokemon Adventures is the right one to read if you're ever looking for one. Uh, it's got an incredibly popular mobile app called Pokemon Go, and it even uh, for a short period of time was a theme park in Japan in the mid two thousands. Of course, it was. Yeah. So how, how did that even work? Did you just run around hitting things with Pokeballs? No, there was like you know, there was a roller coaster that was one of the dragon Pokemon, and it was you know, it was it was a theme park. Uh, there's rumors that there might be uh, some Pokemon entries in the Nintendo theme park in Japan. Uh, which I think got delayed opening because of COVID. Yeah, I mean, what good is a theme park if nobody can go? Yeah. So uh, our titular pocket monsters, uh, they they first starred in a series of mainline RPG games, um, almost exclusively on mobile platforms. And there's, again, you know, we talked about how it's kind of spiraled out in early... You know, we had we just recently did a console war with the N sixty four, and that's where they kind of started bringing them to home consoles with Pokemon Stadium and Coliseum. Uh, I'm mostly just going to talk about the mainline RPGs today, and anything that I can't get to will dump into episode two. So, what makes a Pokemon game? Uh, Pokemon is a bit like Final Fantasy in that there are staples of the series. Uh, and every game you can see those staples pop up. In Final Fantasy, it's, you know, chocobos and airships and moogles and a guy named Sid. In Pokemon, it's uh, creatures that, um, they call it evolution, but there's a lot of, there's been a lot of conversation around Pokemon. It's really more of a, like a metamorphosis, but, uh, so these, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I I just have to jump in here just because I have to play the role of the, 
uh, I have to be the audience surrogate here. Mm-hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always interpreted, and maybe I'm way out of left field on both of them, but I've always interpreted uh, f- the Final Fantasy games sort of being like Tarantino movies. You have a few little offbeat things in the background that just tell you that this is all the shared universe. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Pokemon games, aren't they all in the same world? They are actually in the same world. We've never, um, we've never gotten full confirmation of the the proper shape to the world of Pokemon. The first four generations are all in a fairly closely located region, but once they hit Generation Five of the mainline RPGs, the regions start to get separated by large bodies of water. So, I mean, this planet could be fairly huge. Damn egg-shaped planets. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so there's always creatures. The creatures can evolve. Uh, there's always uh, towns that you can visit. There's usually... Uh, the number eight plays into Pokemon quite a bit. There's usually eight gyms or eight challenges or eight something that you need to do to progress to the story. There's always uh, a villainous organization trying to take over or destroy the world, depending on which game you're playing. Um, there's always some legendary Pokemon that are heavily featured on the box art for the series, starting in Generation 2. And uh, there's usually tie-ins with, with movies and the anime. Every generation of the video game has an associated season of the anime or seasons of the anime. Um, so I, I, I'm i fairly behind and I jump around in the anime a lot, but uh, I've been really enjoying um, uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, the anime, which is uh, you know set in the region and, and tells the story of Generation 7 of the games. And... Pokemon themselves are categorized in some very different ways. Uh, There are uh, currently a total of 18 different Pokemon types, uh, and a Pokemon can be one or two types. So uh, I did this math once, um, but the total number of possible type combinations for uh, a single Pokemon is 324. I was told there'd be no math. I did the math for you, buddy. I have a history degree. No math. (laughs) Um, So Pokemon fall into a lot of different types. I'm not going to list all the types here. If you want to learn more about them, please um, pick up a Pokemon game. But there's your physical attributes like fighting, rock, um, ground, steel. There's your more elemental types like fire, water, grass, electric. There's your like ethereal kind of types like psychic and and ghost and dark and then there's uh you know a few offshoots uh that the most recent one doesn't really fall into any of those categories but is still one of my favorite pokemon types and it's the fairy type um you like a fairy type i'm I'm shocked. <laughs> Just this is my shocked face. I, I'm doing the shocked Pikachu right now. Yeah, one of the Pokemon on my leg is uh, of the fairy type. Uh, it's it's a very good type. Um, and then a, each one is set in a different region. Each region uh, is a an analog of a region in our world. It's deeply inspired by the architecture and the the setting and the 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 costumes of of that region in the real world. 
And generally, you have uh, some some staple little groupings of Pokemon. You've got your your starter Pokemon. Each uh, generation has their three Pokemon. It's always a fire type, a water type, and a grass type that you start off with. That's the your first partner in the game and, and one that travels throughout the game with you. Uh, each game has its set of legendaries. They're Pokemon that only appear once in the game, you, and you generally have to catch them as part of the plot. Uh, each generation also has its mythic-level Pokemon, which are generally only distributed by Nintendo through events. And then there's you know regional forms and all sorts of stuff that I'll get into talking about. Um, I'm going to kind of ignore... Uh, like the Ranger series and the Mystery Dungeon series. I'm going to ignore Snap, but shameless plug, there is a new Snap game coming out in like a couple of months, I think. Uh, Which, I mean, it's been, what, like 15 years since we got a Snap game, so that's exciting. Oh, God, at least. Uh, I'm going to be ignoring the stadiums and the coliseums. I'm going to be ignoring Pokemon Go. I'm only talking about the mainline series of Pokemon RPGs. So... Uh, despite what Mark may tell you, uh, there the number of Pokemon currently clocks in at 898. I just looked it up. Uh, the uh, highest numbered Pokemon in the National Pokedex, uh, which is the encyclopedic list of all Pokemon in every game. It's an actual tool you get. Uh, is Calyrex, the High King Pokemon from Generation 8, and his number is 898. So... I, I just think that that is very telling, what you just said. I mean, I, as you've already picked up, ladies and gentlemen, DJ is a Pokey super fan mm-hmm. par excellence. I mean, I wish I could get pa- as passionate about anything as DJ <laughs> gets about Pokemon. It's and true. Th- that's only being half facetious. But you had to look up what the number is. I did, yeah. I, if someone like you doesn't know, what does that tell you? I knew I knew what it was before the expansion passes for the latest Pokemon games. And so Generation 8 set the number at 890. And then the DLC that we just got, for, uh, I mean, in the last six months, the last one got released. I think it was actually in the last four months. Uh, the the Crown Tundra got released, and that increased the number to 898. So that's where we're at. We're two under 900. So buckle in, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to go through these generations as quickly as possible. Uh, so Generation 1 is set in the Kanto region of the Pokemon world, which uh, is meant to mirror the Kanto region of Japan. Uh, there are 151 Pokemon in Generation 1. Uh, the Woo! first 151 that were introduced, starting from... Do you know what num- uh, Pokemon number one is? Uh, was it Bulbasaur? It was Bulbasaur. Ah, see? I remembered something. Yeah, so starting from Bulbasaur at number one, all the way to 151, which is... Uh, Mew. Mew, very good. Yeah. Uh, we didn't actually know at the time that Mew was a Pokemon. We thought that the Pokedex only went up to 150. Uh, and Mew was introduced in the first Pokemon movie, uh, the Mewtwo's Revenge, I believe, uh, which told the story of Mewtwo's creation and revealed uh, its uh, forebear, which is number 151, Mew. Uh, so, the series began in, on February 27th, 1996. The first games got released in Japan. 
Pokemon versions Red and Green, uh, with a later release of Pokemon Blue in Japan. Uh, Generation 1 actually had four releases in Japan, uh, Red, Green, Blue, and Yellow. Um, and it was a huge hit in Japan. It, the, I mean, they ended up being, like, uh, Olympic mascots. Uh, it's, it, it very rapidly became the Looney Tunes of Japan, um, which means nothing to the kids today, but, you know, back in the 90s, we were really into Looney Tunes. That is a great analogy, though. It is. Uh, Red and Blue got released in the United States in September of 1998. We had to wait, woof, like... 17 months to get Pokemon. And God, we had, it doesn't seem like that long. It, I know. It, and the to be fair to Japan, they start closing the gap, I think, around like generation four or five. So nowadays the, uh, they do simultaneous worldwide, worldwide releases. Um, so everybody can start playing Pokemon on the same day. Uh, so red, blue, and green uh, were the... First and only Pokemon games, uh, and uh, Yellow is included as well, to uh, include the fully evolved forms of the starter Pokemon as the cover art for the games. So Red had Charizard, Green had Venusaur, and Blue had um, Blastoise. Yellow had Pikachu because your your Pikachu and Pokemon Yellow couldn't evolve much. It was meant to be closer to the show. Um, and so your starter Pokemon was Pikachu. You could collect all of the Pokemon in version Yellow. Uh, Yellow got released in 1999. Uh, and it was great. I mean, it was released on the original Game Boy. It was very... Uh, you could play it on Game Boy Color. So I, when I got Pokemon Red, I got it on the Game Boy Color. Um, and uh, that means nothing to anybody today. But Game Boy Color had like a very limited color palette. So yes. if you were playing red, everything was kind of red. If you were playing blue, everything was kind of blue. And if you were playing yellow, everything was kind of yellow. That's what amounted to color back then. Yeah, basically, if any of you have ever played Fallout New Vegas, if you've uh, dove into the options menus, they had different uh, filter tones for the different menus. If you put on sort of the yellowish, sepia, orangish one, that's what playing Pokemon Yellow was. Those are my mm -hmm. earliest memories of Pokemon, just this yellow wash over yeah. everything. Uh, and, and Pokemon Yellow was kind of revolutionary in terms of video gaming as a whole because they actually, like, they kind of heard from fans what they wanted more of in the series, and that's what Yellow became. Uh, yellow mirrored the, the anime. So when Ash got a Charizard... In the anime, that's where you found Charizard in Pokemon Yellow. Yep. And uh, it was great. You know, we had all been watching the show while playing Red and Blue, and we got to go back and, and rescue Squirtle from the Squirtle Squad, and it was great. Um, Generation 1 uh, got a, uh, a remake in 2004, but it's also the only one to get two full remakes. So in 2004, we got Fire Red and Leaf Green, and that was for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, in 2018, we got Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, which were uh, full 3D reinterpretations of Gen 1. You got to play Gen 1. It, 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 the, the core of the Let's Go games were Pokemon Yellow, 
but depending on the version you picked, you either got a Pikachu or an Eevee. Uh, Eevee is my favorite Pokemon uh, and is the one uh, carved into my skin. So, uh, highly recommend. So you bought Pikachu? Out. No, I got Let's Go Eevee. <laughs> and uh, Let's Go Pikachu I, is one of the very few Pokemon games I don't own, um, just because I I never picked it up. So that's Gen One. Gen Two uh, is the Johto region, which is meant to mirror the Kansai and Tokai regions of Japan. Gens 1 through 4 were all different regions of Japan, which I just recently found out, uh, but I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Generation 2 added 100 new Pokemon, so brought the number up to 251. And uh, Gen 2 was released on the same... It was the same cartridges, the the same platform as Gen 1. So Game Boy, Game Boy Color... And in Gen 2, they added some additional new things to the series. We, they added two additional types, so they bumped it up from 15 to 17 different types. Uh, they added Dark and Steel. They also added a night and day cycle and a clock to the game so that you could input the time uh, in the game and it would track the night and day cycle. And that had some really interesting things uh, mechanics in the game, right? Like, uh, Eevee got some new, uh, evolutions in the game and one would only show up at night. One would only show up during the day and different Pokemon would populate the world, uh, depending on the time of day or night. Uh, Now, was that real time? Like if it was 10 o'clock at night at your house, was it 10 o'clock at night in game or did it have its own clock? It it had its own clock, but the clock was fairly, like it kept time even when the console was turned off. So... That was good. Um, it also introduced breeding and the concept of shinies. Uh, shiny Pokemon are... They're just rare catches of um, normal Pokemon who uh, their color is palette-swapped. So uh, y- y- the primary example of Gengar is Gengar is like a really deep purple, almost black. Uh, the A shiny Gengar is bright white. And... Uh, for a lot of Pokemon fans, that became like the new thing to do was shiny hunting. And there was, there, I, we like to joke about our, our buddy Nick. Shout out to Nick. Uh, we love who, you, Nick. Yeah, who ha- keeps spreadsheets for all the games he plays. Uh, I, have crept shiny, I have kept shiny spreadsheets before. Um, I, I got out of the game because it was just, it was too much. But uh, so Generation 2 was uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver. It was released. between 99 and 2000 uh it got its own third expansion so red and blue had yellow gold and silver had crystal and uh crystal was really great it had its own story uh generation two brought us instead of legendary bird uh, instead of the original legendary birds we got legendary dogs and a couple of new legendary birds um whole new region the cool thing about the original gen 2 um, and its remake is when you beat the game, you can go to the uh, the region from Gen 1. So you can play the whole game again. And it's not like the full Pokemon Red and Blue, but you can go around, meet gym leaders, fight in gyms. So it was also the first time that we really got an indication that it was the same world and it was all happening. Like when you go to the Kanto region in Gen 2... 
it's after your character from the first games has beaten the Elite Four and become the champion. So mm-hmm. it, it chronologically also happens after Gen 1. Uh, and in 2009-2010, we got full remakes of Gen 2 in Heart Gold and Soul Silver. <sighs> Gen 3, the Hoenn region... Uh, which is meant to be representative of the Kyushu Island region of Japan, uh, added a 135 new Pokemon. It also added uh, some new functionality, double battles, abilities, contests, secret bases, which were hugely fun. Um, and it also was the first game in the series to allow your the protagonist to have a different gender. So you could choose boy or girl. Uh, so Gen 3 was Ruby and Sapphire, uh, released in 2002-2003. Uh, its third game was Emerald, 2004-2005. And uh, Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald were all released for the Game Boy Advanced, uh, which was the, the first time we kind of saw a platform bump. Uh, and they got full updates in 2014, uh, in Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby, uh, which brought in a lot of the mechanics from Gens 4 through 6 into uh, Hoenn. So it was really, it was fun. All right. Gen 4, the Sinnoh region, the last uh, Pokemon generation based on a region of Japan. It was based in the Hokkaido region of Japan and it added 107 Pokemon. Uh, This was the first time we saw 3D and sprite graphics merged in a single game platform. Uh, So these games were released on the original uh, Nintendo DS. And we also got to see a return of the night and day functionality that had been left out of Gen 3, as well as some revamped move classification and, you know, a whole new region, good stuff. Uh, So Gen 4, Diamond and Pearl in 2006-2007, with a release of its third game in 2008-2009 called Platinum. Uh, This is the first generation where we don't get to see a remake just yet. Uh, We are getting a remake this year, holiday of 2021, just announced this past week, uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, uh, of which I have both pre-ordered already. I still don't understand why they didn't put Platinum with Gold and Silver. Gold and Silver, Platinum. I'm, I don't think they planned it out that far in advance. Like, Platinum would have gone well with Gold and Silver, but I think they got some Diamond and Pearl and were like, crap, what other precious non... Oh, damn it. <laughs> we already used Emerald sh- Ruby's shit. Yeah. And, and up to this point, we had some really interesting things happening. Uh, in Gen 3, um, the conflict of the game was... Um, it, it was like climate. It, it had some things to say about... Um, climate change and uh it was dealing with like water and earth and and some interesting stuffs uh diamond and pearl went off the deep end and got into like uh time and space manipulation so there's some pretty buck wild stuff that happened in gen 4 uh gen 5 the anova region is the first time that we go outside of uh, a japan oriented region anova is actually uh based on new york city which is pretty cool. Uh, Gen 5 also adds the most amount of Pokemon we'll see in the entire series. Uh, From here on out, they only start adding less than 100 Pokemon each generation because it was getting 
really difficult to code. Uh, but Gen 5 added 156 new Pokemon. Woof. Yeah, a, a huge hit. But the, the next highest was Gen 3 with 135. Uh, so we, we get... Um, this is the first entry in the series to kind of get rid of the idea of uh, uh, move creation items only being able to use once. It introduces a mechanic for seasons, so we're getting into, like, the real clock now. Um, and they introduced Pokemon that changed with the season. Uh, they introduced a, a, a mechanic called the Pokemon World Tournament that allowed you to fight gym leaders in Elite Four from previous generations. Uh, and this was the first time that we don't actually get a third named entry in the series. Um, so Black and White was Generation 5, and that was released 2010-2011. Uh, we did get a follow-up, Black 2 and White 2, in 2012. And the nice thing about Black, and, Black 2 and White 2 is if you started the series with White, you started the generation with White, you could then get white two to get all the Pokemon that you missed in white. Hmm. First time all this right. happened. It was pretty cool. Uh, so that was a pretty good generation, but then we get into my favorite one, which is Gen 6, the Kalos region, which is based on France. Uh, there's literally a giant tower that looks like the Eiffel Tower in the middle of the region. Um, fantastic. They added 72 Pokemon, and then they added some of my favorite mechanics that started to, to kind of proliferate into the rest of the series. They added the fairy type uh, and began kind of exploring the mythos behind what a fairy type actually means. Uh, they added a battle mechanic called Mega Evolution. So any Pokemon that you really love but were kind of getting bored of using, some of them got brand new forms you could use in battle. And they introduced the first iteration of Pokemon Cloud Storage in Generation 6. It was called Pokemon Bank, and they just retired it last year. Uh, and Gen 6 marks the, the kind of push to uh, start being able to proliferate Pokemon through the generations using Pokemon Bank. Um, and it's an external service, whereas everything else had been some sort of wireless communication or even way back in like gens one through three, like some sort of cable that you would plug between Game Boys. Uh, in Gen 6, it was cloud storage. So Gen 6 was X and Y, released in 2013. Uh, there was a rumored uh, version Z being uh, created, and it would have made sense because... Uh, the mythos of Generation 6 was based around Norse mythology. And uh, they, the Z Pokemon that would have kind of headlined in that story uh, was going to kind of represent the world tree. And you got to meet that Pokemon and catch him in X and Y, but you didn't really get any of the Pokemon's backstory. Instead of getting uh, uh, a Z entry into the series, uh, Z, the functionality we were going to get in Z got pushed into Gen 7. So Gen 7 is the Alolan region, or the Alola region, uh, which is made to represent Hawaii. It was a huge departure from the series because up until Gen 7, everything was kind of like 
European or Asian like rural stuff. And this gen, in Gen Seven, they added island hopping. They also added eighty-eight Pokemon Z moves and the idea of regional variants, which meant that a Pokemon that you could catch in one of the older games might look way different and have different types and moves in this region. Uh, they also, this was the, I think this was the first time that they added new Pokemon to the series mid-generation. Uh, they added a quest line about these like other dimensional Pokemon that were very like kitty versions of Eldritch Horrors. So not really Eldritch Horrors, but there was definitely a, uh, a ghost dragon that was trying to consume the world. Um, and they added a couple of extra Ultra Beasts into uh, the, the second entries into Gen 7. So Gen 7, Sun and Moon, released 2016. Uh, and then we got the follow-up in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon in 2017. <sighs> Which brings us to today. Uh, we're <laughs> you made it! <laughs> uh, we did. So we're currently in Generation 8 of Pokemon. Generation 8 is the Galar region based on Great Britain, which uh, always makes me think of you, Mark. I, I think you would probably enjoy it. Well, I do love me uh, a trip through the uh, English countryside. What can I say? Yeah, th- there's some great things. Like, they, they brought in the food and the architecture. And the, like, the, there's definitely uh, cop trainers in the game that when you meet them, they say, what's all this then? And it's, it's very good. <laughs> So Gen 8 added uh, 81 Pokemon, and uh, we got a, a second round of regional variants. Uh, so uh, I think to this day, don't quote me on this, but I think Meowth is the only Pokemon to have three full regional variants and evolves into two different Pokemon based on where you evolve him. That would check out for Meowth. He always had to be different. Yeah, uh, and Meowth uh, got a uh, the the evolution he gets in Generation Eight is called Berserker, and it's a little uh, tiny Viking barbarian. It's fantastic. Uh, so we get uh, the idea of Dynamaxing, uh, where Pokemon can transform into these huge forms and. We, we, it, it, it's a little bit it's a little bit silly to think of this, but we it's the first time Pokemon dealt with like it's like kaiju stuff, right? Like you get a Godzilla sized Pikachu uh, fighting like a Godzilla sized Eevee, and their you know their trainers are just tiny. Um, you would think they would have saved something like that for a Japan region, but they brought it into Great Britain, so who knows. Um, it's the first time we got an open world area in a Pokemon game. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it seems kind of silly to say, but generally Pokemon, when you're playing it, it's, it's on rails. You go from town to route to town to route to town to lake to desert. Like, it's pretty standard stuff. Uh, but there are open world exploration areas in Gen 8 where you can, you can set up camps, you can meet up with your friends, you can do raid battles in Gen 8. Uh, you, you can get a group together and go after some pretty tough Pokemon. So Gen 8 is Sword and Shield, released in 2019. Uh, and we got... It's the first Pokemon series to not do second entries. Instead, we got expansion DLC packs, um, which I 
I didn't mind it. I I, I always like second entries in series, but I, I could see what they were going for. So we got the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra expansions uh, last year. And we just had, because it's the 25th year that Pokemon's been around, right? 20, 1996 to 2021. Uh, they've released a new entry into the series, and we know very little about it. And I'm actually not going to find out anything about it until the damn thing's in my hands, because that's that, that's my business. Um, it's called Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, Arceus is the name of a Pokemon, I think, from Gen 3 or 4 that was introduced, who is the the literal Pokemon god. He's a mythic, and you can't get him in the games. Uh, it's it's only allowed through like Pokemon distribution. So uh, supposedly Pokemon Legends takes us back to the regions of Gen 4, uh, but we're going into the ancient past. So like no technology, sneaking up on Pokemon to catch them, and there's supposed to be a whole plot. It's supposed to look like uh, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's supposed to be all open world. Um, the... 10 minutes I saw of it before I shut down my social media accounts from Pokemon uh, looked very cool, so I'm excited for that. So it's basically the Far Cry primal of the Pokemon world. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I have high hopes because I always have high hopes when it comes to Pokemon. So that is the 25 years of the mainline Pokemon RPG series. Whew. Well, hot damn. Um, I mean, we, you've already professed your love for Eevee. <laughs> uh, what is your least favorite Pokemon? Um, oh, that's so hard because there's so many. <laughs> um, I knew this would fuck you up. There's, well, there, there's like two, and it's hard to choose between them. One is Dunsparce. And he's like a bag, he's not a bagworm. I don't, he's kind of, he's a bug, but he's like a bug normal type and he's not particularly fun to play. Uh, and the other one is called Stunfisk. And Stunfisk is meant to be, when he was originally introduced, he was like a, a flat, like, he's like a flounder, but he's an electric type. So he was fun to play originally because, you know, he was like, he was like a desert fish and he was kind of interesting. But when his uh, Galar form is a steel type, and it's like a bear trap. And okay. if you're walking along and you don't notice he's there, he'll attack you. So uh, that that's my vote for the most annoying. I, I was expecting you, to, I bet you expect me to say the trash Pokemon or the ice cream one. No, no, I, I, I legitimately didn't know where you were going to go with that. I, I do have to say, though, that Stunfisk definitely sounds like a German sex toy. Um, <laughs> and, and the fact that he evolves into a steel bear trap doesn't help that any. No. Um, I, I, well, I've told you my favorite Pokemon before. Do, do you remember? I don't. I was, again, because I was more of a fan of the anime than the games, I was always a fan of Psyduck. <laughs> He's uh, very good. I think that's still the only card I have left from the CCGs. I have a, a first printing of Psyduck. Um, and do you have any guesses what my least favorite Pokemon is? He's actually not one of the original 151. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe he is. Uh, it's Lucario. What? He's great. In, 
No, he was way overpowered in whatever the hell Smash Brothers he was in. And the game was so unbalanced, we actually had a house rule that nobody could be Lucario. Uh, I mean, he was just a palette swap of um, Mewtwo in the game. Yeah, but he had that thing where, like, his fists got more powerful the more shit you did. It was bullshit. <laughs> so, so fuck Lucario and fuck everyone that likes him. <laughs> um, so that was part one. What do you got in store for us for part two? We'll give our, our listeners good warning. Uh, so uh, part two, I want to make it more interactive with Mark because that was a uh, blinding <laughs> history of my favorite video game series. So uh, part two, I want to talk about... Um, like different ways to experience Pokemon. I want to talk about the trading card game. I want to yep. talk about the anime and the manga series. Um, I want to talk about uh, some Pokemon favorites of ours throughout the years. You know, we you talk you, you touched on uh, Jesse and James, and I, I thought it would be kind of fun for part two to do a like uh, like a weird Pokemon lore or rumors from that we remember from growing up, like oh stuff my God. like, uh, like fan theories or rumors, uh, the million ways you could catch Mew in the games or, um, <laughs> what's really going on with Lavender town, all of that good stuff. So I thought, I thought that would be fun for our second, second entry. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Although I have to say, I, despite, me not saying all that much this week. I th- actually enjoyed this week uh, a lot more than I thought I would, if we're being brutally honest. Um, <laughs> you know, I, Pokemon has gotten away from me a little bit in the last few years, but I learned quite a bit today, and anytime you learn something, uh, that's all right with me. So uh, kudos to you, DJ. You, you did your homework on this one. I did, yeah. It's, I'm, I wanted to give, give Pokemon a good send-off today because it's... End off. It ain't going anywhere. I mean, it's 25 years. We don't know what will happen in the next 25. Um, Yes, because Nintendo is going to wake up one day and decide they hate money. So, I mean, the one thing I will I will leave on the table for us to pick up next week is that that there is a and Mark and I have had this this conversation before. There is a surefire way for, for Nintendo to make money. Right. Like we all the money, every money, every form of currency ever created throughout history. Yeah. We all know that it's it's there. We all know Pokemon uh, that we all know that Nintendo knows about it. And we're starting if you're a Pokemon fan and you've been playing it throughout the generations, you know that we're starting to get closer and closer and closer to it in a very slow way. But the latest announcement with Pokemon Legends really gets us close to the ultimate dream that is a worldwide Pokemon MMO. Yeah, I mean, just the thought of a fully 3D, fully open world game, you know, think Skyrim, think GTA, think Breath of the Wild, uh, you know, rendered that way, but with all 87 quadrillion Pokemon that there are now, a stadium for PvP fights, uh, you know, being able to drop in, drop out with your buddies, full cloud-based Pokédex. I mean, if they were to release that, I mean, especially if they were to release that on, on consoles, you know, all consoles, which would never happen, but even if they were released on a PC, the whole nine yards, it would just it would print money. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, like, the world would stop for be- a week when be- that game came out. Yeah, between the open world aspects of Gen 8 and the new Pokemon Legends and what they've done with the Pokemon Cloud storage, I've literally, I've got my phone in my hand right now. I'm looking at the app. It's called Pokemon Home, and it's what replaced Pokemon Bank. And they've made a mobile Pokemon Cloud storage that integrates with Pokemon Go and the latest generations of Pokemon, both the Let's Go's and Gen 8. So, like, we're we're so close. So as soon as, po- you know, the, the next failed console that N- N- Nintendo has, they can, uh, they can save their asses with a Pokemon MMO. Yeah, I mean, one... As a fan of Nintendo, as someone who grew up with Nintendo, uh, and as a fan of Sega, as we found out, you know, two weeks ago, I don't want Nintendo to go the way of Sega and go games only, but... God, if they ever did, the possibilities are just insane. <laughs> They're just literally insane. Yeah, I mean, it's probably good that they haven't done a Pokemon MMO because you'll never see me again. <laughs> this would just be the whiskey because there wouldn't be much wit. <laughs> yeah. It would just be me drinking and cussing at something. It'd be old man yells at Cloud yeah. and whiskey yeah. every week. So I, I still have a life as long as there is no Pokemon MMO. Well, all right. I think that's a pretty good place to uh, stop for this week. And, hey, that's Pokemon and Whiskey Part 1. It is. So we want to always just thank all of our fantastic listeners for sticking with us. Uh, You know, we're almost, we're reaching the halfway point on Season 2. And uh, we get some more guests lined up in in the fairly near future. Um, but if you like the show, if you like what you've heard, uh, like subscribe, uh, we are out in a million different places, but if you could, uh, run out to that iTunes store and, and give us a rating, drop us a review that, that really helps us stay up in the charts. Uh, we're all over the place now. I I think we're going to do a blog post and update some links on the website to kind of show all of the different places that we are, but we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We get our website at thewittandwhiskeycast.com. Uh, we're up on Podbean, which gets us into a billion different places. Uh, we're up on Listen Notes. Um, uh, how are we doing on Pandora? Are we close some Pandora? We've made it through another layer. Pandora, from what I can tell, has four or five approval layers. So far, we've made it through all of them. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts now, for those of you like myself that are Android Army all the way. Uh, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Player FM, uh, Stitcher, Kicker, Stitcher. Um, it's 16 places in total. There's a couple of them that are iTunes store only that I haven't been able to confirm. But from what I understand, Podbean tells me we're on there, so I'm not going to argue with them. <laughs> the full list is on our Facebook page, uh, and I will be putting it on the website at some point this week. But it, it grows by the day. It's so good. Uh, and we release uh, right here where you're listening to us, uh, 8 a.m. every Friday. Um, we're, we're starting to line up that schedule a little bit between Podbean and yep. and uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if uh, if you can't quite get us, check in back around noon because, you know, Podbean might take a little bit. Um, I, I know some of them like uh, listen notes update a little bit later because their hosting is on a different time zone than us. Yeah. Uh, but usually by 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the afternoon, 
it's updated. Worst case scenario, by dinner time, you'll have us. You will have us by the time you're sitting down for your weekend cocktail. I assure you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so next next week, Pokemon Part Two. Pokemon Part Two, baby. Excellent. And then we might have another guest after that. So uh, stay tuned. I, I think we may. I, I will double check in the weeks uh, in the week coming up, but uh, I think we may. <laughs> I'm excited. God help us. We'll be living up to that explicit tag. Yeah. I, I, we'll have to be careful. I don't want to find what's past the explicit tag in iTunes. No, no. You know, they always joke, you know, it, it, when you do live television or live radio, uh, you usually have a seven-second delay. I, I believe when they had George Carlin on Saturday Night Live, they used to give him a 17-second delay. Wow. We might be playing with that for our editing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, thank you to Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and outro music. Uh, we're going to send you to his SoundCloud in our show notes. Uh, and huge shout out to the guy. He uh, came on our podcast last week. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, um, he had a lot of really great things to say about the creative process. So we love you, buddy. We do love you. Buy his damn book. It's yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, it's great. And it's it's way too affordable. Uh, go steal it before he gets wise. Yeah, I, I noticed that because uh, the wife wanted a copy of it. So I went on the other day to order it. And I was like, huh, okay. So yeah, it's, it's way too cheap. And take advantage of it before he wises up. Yeah, exactly. So uh, from here in the New England studios, from out there in the Pennsylvania studios, we just want to wish you a, just a great cocktail and cheers. Salute.